Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. We need to get right into it today because we are joined by, where do I begin? Comedian, podcast host of Chanel in the City, podcast co-host of Listen to Me, the OG Mama D, not Mama D from Dallas, Mama D, Miss Dina Lohan. And let's just cut to the chase. We know her as one of the cast members of one of the best Bravo shows to ever exist, Miss Chanel Omari from Princesses of Long Island. Hi. Hello. What an intro. David Yontong, we're back at it again. Oh, did you ever think we'd be sitting down in a podcast setting, Chanel? I did not. I... Really? I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, this is like a surreal moment, us reuniting right now. We are reuniting. Now, I think let's talk about that for a minute before we get into things. Well, here's the thing. So I get all these DMs. I talk about this in my book, which will be out God knows when, you know, that like everyone says, oh, David, your life, it's so wonderful, fabulous. You're friends with all these Bravo liberties. And I tell people like, this is real life, so be careful what you wish for. Like, when you become friends with Bravo celebrities, they're real people. And just like being on TV, you have real friendships, and then you have fallouts. So one of my friendships was Miss Chanel Omari from Princesses of Long Island. Now one of my friendships is Chanel Omari from Princesses of Long Island. But we had a moment where we just had a fallout. Yeah. I mean, do you want to start it? Do you want me to kind of get into what, how I felt or you, okay, so understanding and fallout? I think so. Is it like, so you, you get into it quickly and we'll okay. talk about it for a minute. We'll clear the air on air, which sure, guys, yeah. we've already cleared air, but let's do it for everyone listening. Cause this is what people love. The real yes, deal. We're guys. letting the listeners know the real deal. Right. And at first we were debating David and I, cause we did say our apologies and our, our, we cleared the air off the off the record, but we do feel a duty to like be honest with the audience because they see things on Instagram and they don't get the full story. And I think that David and I are really good about telling the truth. So here's my truth. And then David, you tell me how you felt. Yeah. I love you. I've always loved you. And that's why I wanted to collaborate with you a lot. 
and we did, we collaborated a lot, especially with the event I produced and I hosted uh, the Chanel in the City Live podcast with Countess and Friends, which is appeared on Roni and you made an appearance. You were one of my co-hosts. I had some comedians that were guests on the show, on the live event. So for people who don't realize, live podcast events now are like comedy shows. It's like you book really comedians that are guests or podcast hosts that have comedic attributes and you bring them on live stages because they know how to improv they know how to and so we brought david we brought you part of that show with a couple of other comedians and other podcast hosts and i you know i worked really hard for that show and you know what it takes to get in to do a show like that with the housewives of new york and i felt like a lot of people were taking credit for it or like you know how in high school people are like oh david said this or, or chanel said this and like kind of pinning us against each other and so when I felt like people were saying, oh, David was, and other people were taking the credit for your show, or like you and I had gone to the Countess Luann Christmas party. She invited me. She put me in front row with a friend of mine. You had came with your friend. And you and I, someone was like, David, just sit in the front row with Chanel. And I felt like, wait, you're taking my seat. But I didn't realize that you felt like I was being standoffish. So I think what the moral of the story is, there's a lot of misunderstanding here that we're clearing. And I guess I felt like this industry is very competitive and I don't want people to ever think that I'm competing. I want my peers to know that I'm sharing the spotlight with them and I support them. And I guess I felt very alone because I didn't feel supported. And I kind of felt like people were kind of, I felt like you want, you were competing with me, even though I know you're not now, but I felt like I expected more from you. I think from everybody else, I expected more from you because I know that you have such a good heart and that you are a cool person and you're funny and we had a great time. Oh yeah. And the other thing I got upset was, one time a mutual friend of ours said that you had said at 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 a at a, at a bravo celebrities comedy show that i because you were so kind and you paid for my drinks because i had forgot my wallet which is the truth in my car but it's not like i do that all the time like i'm not a cheap person like you know how generous i am and i think what happens is people don't know the full story and they have perception about me and i know chanel amari here i signed up for being the public eye serves me right but I do expect my friends to kind of like back me up and not use that as a story. So I think I was just hurt and upset. And I felt like, I felt like I was being kind of teared apart so that you or others can look better, but I'll let you talk about that. Cause I love you now. And I, and we have a mutual friend that brought us together and I want everyone to know that David and I are not here to compete. We're here to love and we're here to be there for each other. And I'm so happy for your podcast. I think it's an amazing podcast. And I think you have a very unique voice. And I know that you know I have a unique voice. And we're all just trying to eat. You know, we're all just trying to eat. I mean, a girl has to eat, you know. I girl, mean, okay. Girl, I gotta eat. Clearly, I, I, I gotta have, eat. I gotta eat over here. Okay, so there's so much there. Okay, so, so much. yeah, I'm I sorry, mean. Did I ramble? Like, is no, that the gist? Those no. are the three things that, oh, and then one time me and David got into a real fight at the Countess Luann Christmas show. Nobody knows about this. And I think you said that, like, well, you're definitely a nobody and I'm a somebody. And that hurt my feelings. I did. That's an awful thing to say. I do not remember saying that. You guys, you're getting backstage. But it's not like, his fault. It's not his fault because I triggered you. Because I, oh said, I didn't god. say the nicest things either. Like, I was very upset, you know, because I felt like, oh my god, I worked so hard to get invited to the front row. And now, even if it wasn't you, David, even if it was a girl or a guy named Scott, and they took the seat from me, it's all about, or took the credit for an event, it's all about hard work earnings and getting, giving credit where it's due. That's all. You know what I mean? Like, totally. I don't think you meant it maliciously because you're not that, you're a good person. No, I mean, totally. Well, first of all, I've talked on this show many times about how my, you know, podcast was invited to be one of the 
comedians or, you know, podcasts represented at this anti-bullying event as seen on RHONY. I have posted pictures on Instagram. It's actually even in my book. I'm going to have to go back and now edit my book to say that our podcast was invited because it says it was invited by Lorenzo Lesseps. I need to say Lorenzo Lesseps and Chanel Amari. Ah, you're causing does me that, to edit the book even wait, more, does Chanel. That, does that make sense though? Like, is it fair to say that that's why I was hurt? Because Luann even said it wasn't just her event. It was our event together. It, it was. Specifically us working hard behind the scenes together and for a greater cause. But also because I involved all of you guys, I thought naturally you would promote me and hype me up because you would say, you know what? If it wasn't for Chanel, I wouldn't even have this opportunity. Now, that's ego. Which is true. I mean, no, but true. it but is it's true. Like, and I, I was trying not to feed into my ego either, you know, like, because what do I need accolades for? I meant it from my heart. I wanted you to be part of an important moment because you have gotten bullied yourself. I think you have a good voice to come and add the sparkle to the show. But I really wished, like you said, like how you're saying you're going to edit the book and edit the podcast. That means you more than you know, because I, I, I felt like a loser. Honestly, I felt like nobody cared that I existed. See, and so, right, and I, you, I get that. Because, like, listen, I mean, yes, I was invited by Luann and you. I, it's, you know, Luann is just what everyone knows as a listener, but Chanel, too, is a Bravo celebrity. I should have said invited by, you know, Chanel Omari from Princess of Long Island as well as Luann. But then, right, so then flash forward to the counter show when we were both sitting in the front row, and then... Like, if you, my whole thing was, like, if you had just said to me there, David, like, I'm hurt and here's why, I would have been, like, okay, now I feel like an asshole. But instead, when you gave me the attitude, that's what I was, like, I mean, I can't see myself saying I'm a somebody and you're nobody, but maybe I did. I mean, that's a horrible thing for anybody to say. But I just remember that you were giving me attitude, and now I'm, like, now you're giving me attitude, now fuck off, because I don't need your attitude on a Saturday night in New Jersey with Teresa GDJ and Countess Luann. Right. And so I want to own that. Yes. I think when you're in a fight with a friend or a peer, there's a right place and a right time to talk about it. I should have either taken your side or said, Hey, David, listen, I think we need to talk. Let's set up a call Monday. Let's talk. Let's have fun tonight and sucked it up. But the thing with me is I'm so not fake. It's so hard. It's been such a struggle for me my whole life in this career, in this business to kind of like how to express my emotions at the right time and how to communicate what I'm feeling. And because everybody's always on the defense because nobody wants to think they're wrong. Like you said, like, what did you do really wrong? Everybody wants to have their moment. When they have an opportunity in this business, they want to own that moment and they want to be, they want to take all the credit. Do I want to say there's something wrong with that? No, I want to say that you can share the, you should share the credit, but it's normal. What you did was not abnormal. It's normal. Even maybe I would have been guilty at some point in my life doing it. And by the way, I've also been guilty for saying mean things like you're a nobody too, which I take back. However, yeah, like that's just, I mean, that's just so we not me. be saying that, but we I mean, I am a mess. Like, defense. let me put it out there. I am a total well, fucking I'm, mess. So. I'm a mess too. Yeah. But the thing is, I think you're right. I think if I had tell, told you, like the other day, I really was so hurt and I really felt so damaged and so affected by it. I think you would have been like, okay, I got to really try to give her credit where it's due next time. Yeah, because I mean, I'm you did try to be a better I did. I worked really hard and nobody really helped me. And not that you guys, you guys helped me by showing up, by promoting the event, which was your role to promote the event and raise money, which we all raised money together for a really good cause for anti yeah. You guys promoted it on your platforms, but I think I wanted, I think what, here's the problem with the business because Luann is a bigger name, which is the truth. Right. 
but because I believe in such equality and I'm so passionate about equal rights and no matter if you're big Bravo celebrity or small, like you should be getting the same accolades all of us should, whether you're David Yontov, Chanel Amari, Luan de la Sepp. So that was like my whole thing. I got blinded by the Countess, didn't I? Right. What, which is fine, which is all good because we all do because she's so amazing. But I think even she was expecting, oh, it was both our event. I guess because she gave me so much props, I was expecting it from you guys too. I think. I mean, that makes sense. So I would like to apologize on air to you. I love you. Thank Are you. you I would cry? like to. I am gonna cry. See, so for for everyone out there that DMs me and says what a great, wonderful, fun life I have that I that ninety percent of my phone is Bravo celebrities and blah blah blah. Guys, you don't want to be me. Trust me. There's life is. There's a lot of going on. It's not on. that easy for David. I <sighs> want to tell you guys, he deals with a lot of shit off camera. Excuse my language if I could say that. No, you could say whatever you want. But I think what's so beautiful about you too is that like you could talk about this on air, admit you're wrong, so can I, and then we can move on from it, which is the truth and being ourselves. Like I want to apologize too if I hurt your feelings because I don't want to hurt you no matter what. Two wrongs don't make a right. That's no, and like, I was like, I do I'm love really, you. And I was like, I, do I, I don't want to fight with princesses of Long Island, Chanel Lamar. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Who can't, like anybody really I don't know. cares. Well, listen, no. I was the like, one... I'm about to take my hoops off at the Countess show. And you're like, whoa. No, but the one and, thing. Can you be fair? Am I, like, would you say I'm a good fighter or a bad, like, would you want to, like, do people, I don't feel like people fear me, though, unless you fight with me. What would you say? Because no one really got on my bad side. I think... Am no, I scary I just, or am I not? Listen, oh, you're yeah. friends with Dina Lohan, so that alone gives you... That gives you... Wow. You start at, like, an eight, because I don't want to get in a fight with Dina. Okay, and that's So fair. I think if someone comes after you and you go to Dina, Dina's getting involved, and then duck for fucking cover. Oh, <laughs> this is why I love David Young. Right? You're so funny, naturally, and you are right. At least you're honest. Dina See, that's all I want is honesty. Yeah. Like, at least you're honest about everything. That's why I love you. You're like, okay, fine. I have to edit, re-edit my book. But fine, I'm going to own it. But I'm now, like that too. I'm like, okay, I fucked up. I screwed up. I, I called you these names and I should have been nicer to you and explained to you and expressed to you that I was hurt. Oh, and obviously, you know, the infamous story between us, which wasn't your fault, but was a mutual friend of ours when you and I had done a podcast a long time ago together. We co-hosted together. And someone had mentioned all the previous work I did before princesses, like how I was a television producer and I was worked for a lot of celebrities. Yeah. And so remember that was not your fault either, but when you're associated with people, just like me, I was associated with princesses, which we're going to get into. I took oh, yeah. a lot of the heat for the mistakes that the other cast members made on princesses. I took a lot of heat for. So I understand when I was upset, when they did headlines on me in the press, when I did the podcast with you, I had felt like betrayed because I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't even say all that specifically. So again, I think this business, you have to be ready. People don't realize. To, I'm telling realize. you, you and I've be said ready. this before. If people out there listening, like I'm not saying woe is me, but if you think that we wake up, turn on a microphone, oh, put on our lipstick <laughs> and look pretty, there's so much drama, guys, that goes on. I mean, I can't tell you. This should be called behind the scenes of Behind the Velvet Girl. Like, I can't tell you, you have these Bravo celebrities on, and then the next minute, your phone is ringing. Well, did I really say that? Bitch, you fucking said it. So it's not my fault. 
I mean, you get texts 24 hours a day, seven days a week, edit this. And like, I, I just don't believe in that much editing guys. Like this is a real show here. Well, that's what I want to own now on your podcast that it's not your fault. What I said that at that po- on that podcast with you, it's not way back. It, in it was way back. It was my fault. And I want the listeners to understand it's so powerful when you own your own shit, because then if you don't own it, you're always going to be mad at that person when really it's his job to break the news. It's my job to be smarter than that and tell you what I want you to know. And if I tell you what I don't want you to know, that's fair game. And that's what I want everybody to realize, whether they're coming on my podcast or on your podcast, whether it's me divulging the news, I cannot get mad at you to a certain point if I'm divulging it myself. I need to know better than that. You cannot think for me either. And, and I work for you. And we're going to come back to both of your podcasts now in Thank a second, because we need to talk about both of them. But, but I do agree. Do you accept so, my apology? Yeah. And do you accept my apology? Of course. And are we like new BFFs? We, 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 still, we like love each other. We are hilarious now. together. Listen, we've if always you loved each other. you see me and David at the summer house parties, you would piss oh my God. your pants. Um, listen, we have to stick together at the summer house party. You bet we got to stick together, honey, because you know that I cannot <sighs> be alone. God. Again. This so, is yeah, the thing, though. So we had, we, had, we had a fallout. I had a fallout with yet another Bravo celebrity, and now we're friends again on air. Yeah. So on for air. everyone that thinks this show is edited, it is not. So, uh, yes, I, I never thought you would sit down. But, you know, no, here's the thing. People, you know, I say all the time, listen, we have people from every reality show that was on Bravo on this podcast, past and present. And the one show, not one show, but one of the main shows that was lacking was Princesses of Long Island. And so here is Chanel Omari from Princesses of Long Island. Now, we've cleared the air. We're friends again. We did Wait, one thing on that point before we get to this. Why do you think, in your opinion, that people do push my, my work ethic and like my contributes aside? Why is it always focused on someone else? Why do you think my person, what do you think it is about me? Is it the princess thing or perception? Is it that people want to just teach me a lesson because they're jealous? Like, what is it that no one can recognize that hard? Like, in your opinion, as a podcast host, as an expert? I don't, because I don't think of you that way. Even though we had our falling out, I never, I don't think of you as like some weak wallflower. Really? I mean, you have a podcast. I mean, okay, so the premise for everyone who hasn't seen princesses Yes, thank you. To your point, is it because of that, is like the way it's described on the Bravo website is kind of like it's, you know, about six affluent Long Island girls. You know, I guess there's a heavy slant. So it's like the Long Island accent. And like that, it's kind of like you guys were like the boomerang generation that you went out into the world. And now in your 20s, you had to move back home to the comfort of your wealthy parents. And you were all from wealthy towns in Long Island and your parents are rich and you none of you made it in the real world I and mean, this is just what right, right. Yeah, i'm not yeah, saying this yeah. is mott and yeah. so it was kind of like rich kids in beverly hills but in long island it was kind right. of like the hills with elsie and laura it was the long island jewish version exactly and so what i wanted to make clear was okay so we a lot of our friends on long island growing up did come from wealthy families and privileged families. I would say I was raised privileged, of course, because I was raised in Great Neck Island, and that's one of the nicest, good places in the world. By the way, it has its own crimes and situations going on too, but for the most part, one of the most privileged, wealthiest places in the world. My father came here, just so people know the long story short, from Israel as an immigrant, got his citizenship in America, 
worked as a taxi driver, a bus boy, a waiter, a host until he actually opened up his and a salesman in a retail store until he opened up his own shoe stores and design and kind of hustled his own business and had to like be an entrepreneur like me and you are with podcasting. It's not that easy. It's very hard. It's you're, you're working on your own business. But the long story short of it is I was never, I was raised in, I was born in Queens, Queens, raised in Brooklyn, lived on Long Island. I wasn't a princess that had a silver spoon fed to me. I worked since I was 14 for my dad's shoe store as an inventory stock girl. I know what it is to work hard. And, you know, I've worked for, like, you know, David, a lot of people don't know this. I've worked as a producer, but I started as an intern and worked my way up as a producer in morning talk television. And even Was that like your first job? Like you went right into yeah, producing TV? I went right into talk television producing for talk show hosts and then I did reality TV and then I did scripted TV so I have a background of production of producing and I also felt like Long Island is this you know Long Island's where all the greatest history is the great Gatsby uh, it's they call it the gold coast of the of, of, of the world so I thought we would do like the real girls of Long Island kind of like the housewives of New York City where you there's this affluent place around the world that no one understands how these kids can party in the Hamptons it is like summer house by the way and it was like the New York like Housewives Junior. New York. It yeah, was supposed to be a concept between Summer House and Housewives Married, but not, the world wasn't ready for us yet because we aired in 2013. Yeah. So we were way be, we, we, we were ahead of Instagram, social media. We were ahead of even, I think only the Kardashians was around during our time. And the New York Housewives. And New York Housewives. But I guess people weren't ready for, you see, the Jewish world, the Jewish community We've been through so much that it's very hard to put six Jewish girls on TV and not have us criticized and not have us feel like we have to represent the whole Jewish community. And so you don't really screw with that. And so I think, I just think we didn't, we weren't really dealt a, a card, a fair card in general. Like a perception of who Chanel Omari is on that show is just not who Chanel Omari is in real life. Is there tendencies of what I did on that show in real life? Of course, that I'm, they show 20% of me, but 30% of me, there's a 30% chance of who I am on that show. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's different sides of us that we show at all times. How did the show even come about? Like, was it one of these, did you answer a casting call or did someone put this show together? So I helped put the show together prior. What happened was I was working at the time for the Bill Cunningham show. He's a radio host. He had a TV show at the time. At the same time, a friend of mine on the show, who's on The Princess's Show, one of my cast members, who's, by the way, I was really friends with all these girls in real life in di at different walks of life. We all knew each other because on Long Island, what happens is whether you go to private school or high school, public school, if you're like a cool person or if you're involved in the cool crowd or you're a well-known name on Long Island, you're going to the Syosset parties, you're getting invited to the Roslyn parties, you're getting invited to all the towns of Long Island's cool parties. So that's how I knew all these girls because they all went to different high schools than me. But I always hung out with the cool kids in those high schools. So we would like interact, you know? And so we had a lot of history. So I came to Bravo. It was a production company first that worked with Bravo. And I, had, I was freelancing with them at the time on other shows. And I would tell them about all these crazy escapades that I was going through, like parties the night before. And I would walk into to work, like hungover or like, I had to do other like casting and then they were like, what's going on with your life? So I would tell them like, you know, all my friends, they, they go, we work hard during the week. We go party in the Hamptons. And then like, we, like a lot of them spend their parents' money even, and they would ask me, do your friends work? And I'm like, yes, they work, but like, they don't have that kind of money with their real jobs as administrative assistants at the time we were out of college 
or like 25. You were like 25, 26. No one has that kind of money that your parents have after building a whole life. Right. So that was just fascinating to them. That kind of lifestyle is just, and then they held a casting call and they would ask. I, I pitched to them people on the cast. So you pitched it to who? You pitched it to who? I pitched it to the product, production company that worked with Bravo. And you just knew, but how did you know the production company? I worked with them in the Through, past. okay. Not be, before Bravo. I just worked with them as a freelance right. casting producer because I had that background. Okay. They had then come to us and said, this is a show, it has legs. Not we yes. They came to us, and then they came to us and said, this, this is how we want to do it. This is where we're going with it. They asked all these people on Long Island if they knew people like me or the other cast members to see how much of an influence we really had. Were we the real movers and shakers of Long Island, too? And when they had that casting call, everybody would answer, oh, my God, Chanel Coco Omari, she's definitely the, she's, everybody knows who she is, or she's a mover and shaker, or they would mention the other cast members. And they would ask about real history between us. And they would realize that other people knew the history between us. That's when you know you have a real show. When you have real history, like like Dorinda was on my podcast the other week, and she had said the reason New York Housewives works so well is because we actually have 20 years of history and friendship between each other. You can't make that up. And Vanderpump Rules to that extent. And Vanderpump Rules. And even Summer House to that extent. Now Summer House, they hang out all the time. I hung out with these girls were my best friends. You know, David, I'm a loyal friend. I ride or die for people I love. So I was riding or dying for them on the show and off the show, which reality TV, it's hard to be filming with people you love and work with because there's the public's perception, there's the producer's perception, and then there's your own identity. And mixing all that can either get you into real trouble or be the most freeing experience of your life. Did you know all of them, though? Was this like you Every actually... single one of them. So even though there was a casting call, it kind of ended up being... Every... Did they all know each other? They all knew each other as well. Every single one of them had a pass with each other, correct? And um, the only person was Casey, who I had... In... She was my best friend. I had introduced Casey to all, all the cast members. However, the cast members knew who Casey was, her name. Her name growing up on Long Island was a popular name. You know, and she worked at one of the hottest clubs in New York City. So people knew her from that, too. So it was weird. It was like it was like they were mini celebrities in their towns, if this makes sense. Like people knew them, but didn't didn't formally hang out with them. It's like when you know the popular cheerleaders in high school, you know them. They don't know you. But it's like how they they probably ask, how do you guys know me? Because they're just like the popular kids in school, the press, the PR, the the hype, the word around. That's all I've been. That's the only way I know how to explain it, because it's crazy when you talk about it. We're in our 30s now. Even when we were in our 20s, but yeah. I need to talk to you guys about Apostrophe. It's a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne seriously. Now, here's the thing. You guys know prescription acne treatment really works, but it's hard to get. You have to take time off work, go see a doctor, sit in line at the pharmacy and wait for your medications. Not anymore. Apostrophe makes it easy to see a board-certified dermatologist online. You get treated immediately and your medications are delivered to your home. All you have to do is fill out their online questionnaire about your skin concerns and medical history. Then you snap a few selfies, how fun is that, and your dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment plan tailored just for you. It treats acne, but Apostrophe does a lot more than just that. They also can help you with your other skincare goals, like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. I filled out the survey. Of course, my 
I was concerned with wrinkles. So that's why I went on, filled out the survey. Literally, somebody got in touch with me so quickly. The medicine arrived right to my front door. I've already started using it. It's just as simple as that. And you don't even have to leave your home. Listen, you get $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash velvet. So go to apostrophe.com slash velvet and use the code velvet. This code is only available to all of you who are listening to this podcast. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash velvet and click begin visit. Then use the code velvet at sign up and you get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's apostrophe.com slash velvet. Use the code velvet to get your dermatology visit for $15 off. It really is so easy. I'm so glad I found apostrophe. It's for acne, it's for wrinkles, it's for dark spots, really any of your skincare goals. That's apostrophe.com slash velvet. Use the code velvet at checkout and you get $15 off. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. So that's how it came about. The production company knew there was a potential. They knew that there was these six girls who really knew each other. They did their research. They dug. They tried out all these people, and they realized that the six of us were a real crew. We were a real tight-knit crew with history between every single one of us, and not only, one of, uh, not only between us, between our siblings, our family members knew each other. Like, you have to remember, there's, like, beyond, like my dad and Ashley's dad was friends, and they were in the shoe business together. There's like a lot yeah. that goes on, you know? So how was it sold? Like you mentioned, like, what was this? I mean, I'm sure they didn't say six affluent girls who moved home with their parents. The first time it was pitched, you mean? So yeah. I can't get into like once you got into that, the production. But like, I do know that, I do know that once it was pitched, once it was casted, um, that's when they were like, we got a call from Andy Cohen and some of the executives at Bravo saying, we, green, we, we, we are green lighting your show. We did not know it was called Princesses of Long Island at the time because that's confidentiality and there's contracts and nobody knows that until the actual show airs. 
but we did know that we were going to be six girls on Long Island. It was going to be like a mini housewives. We were going to, you know, talk about our lives, um, not being perfect. That was another thing that appealed to me of the show is that like I knew growing up on this island, everybody thought I had it made. And they didn't realize that we go through our own struggles ourselves. We don't always have it made. You can go to a great college. You can have a rich family. You can have a boyfriend. You can look pretty. And guess what? You could be in your closet depressed, you know, wishing you didn't exist. And that's the worst pain in the world. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, that kind of pain. So I think that was the appeal of us moving back home when, we're, when most people are starting their lives and success in the real world at 25, 26. And we're actually regressing by falling, you know, whether our parents have money or not, but we're falling on their resources instead of our own. And I think in every department of our lives and with our friendships at stake, because they were really important to all of us at the time, I think that was the most fascinating thing. Mm. you know and then you got the glitz and the glam who doesn't love the glitz and the glam that comes along with a princess or a housewife you know did you watch bravo before this oh yeah i was a big fan this was like a dream come true this was my biggest break ever like were you... i was a performer i was an actor and i was a radio host before a reality star so at first i wasn't going to take this opportunity i was about to back out but then i realized this kind of stuff. I tell everybody, anybody who wants to do a reality show, I say you go with it, you run with it, and you you make the best experience of it. You do not say no to it because you don't know when it's going to come back to you and it could be your biggest break and it can make you the biggest star in the world. Yeah. Were you freaking out then when they were like, this is Bravo? Like that's your network? I was freaking out because that was the network I wanted. It was the network I watched every day. I, I, I ate, breathed, and slept Bravo. It was the first time that showed me that whatever I put in the universe came back. Like, whatever you imagine can actually come true. Were the other girls freak, were like, or were you, was, was everyone into it? Like, this could make us huge? Was it like everyone that? Everyone was into it. And we were actually told that this could be a franchise being starting to be casted in all cities, like Chicago, Miami princesses. New Jersey princesses. This was going to be, they felt so strongly about this show that they felt it was going to be a franchise. That's how much we all banked on this show. This is why I tell everyone, never get your hopes up high in entertainment industry. If you make never. a movie and you never get a movie again, try to figure out a way to do another app, make it in another avenue. Do not get disappointed or put your eggs in one basket because the disappointment is so bad and it becomes no one's fault but you all, your own and it's so hard to pick yourself back up from it. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I talk about this all the time and, and in my book. Like, I've been in, you know how many reality shows I've been in the mix for? Like, it goes on and yeah, on you've and been on. on a reality, you've been on Patty yeah. Stewart. Million, Millionaire matchmaker. matchmaker. That's in the book. But, like, so much also, too, and it's like, right, like, People are like, oh my God, you're cast. I'm like, in total, you are not even on TV. You have to be on TV. It has to like air for a season. Yes. Your third season is when you should open up a bottle of champagne and celebrate. Until you are in your third season with the check clearing in the bank, I say do not celebrate. Do not think about it. Pretend like nothing is different in life. Season three. That's I'm it. meant to that because that's the truth. I mean, it's take advantage truth. of how you can be a bigger, a bigger name, a brand within those two seasons. But yes, I agree with you. Do not get your hopes up high. Like I'm going to be the best shits in sliced bread. Cause guess what? I had that in my mind and I went all the way down and I had to pick myself back up and realize I had to accept the humility. I had to be humble. My, it was a very humbling experience having 
really high 15 minutes of fame where everybody loves you and kisses your ass to nobody caring about you, nobody wanting to know your name. That's a very great lesson, but not everybody can take that pain. It's hard pain. Fame is a drug. Fame's a drug, but the pain's a drug too. Like for me, I liked that pain. It helped me learn. It helped me become a better human. It helped me become a better performer. It helped me be 10 steps ahead of the game. It helped me blame myself, not everybody else. It helped me take my career in my own hands, not rely on every network to make it for me. Because guess what? Networks aren't here to make you or break you, and they're not here to um, – they're here to make a, they're here to make a show and money. And if you fit the mold, great. And if you don't, you gotta, you gotta make it for yourself. You can't be like, well, I'm going to wait till Bravo calls me next time. I didn't wait for that moment when I was on housewives of New York with my show, with my live podcast with Luann. I'm, you know, I worked hard to make that happen. Yeah. I had to work hard to prove to Bravo again that I'm, I'm, I'm a good fit for that episode. It's just not easy to be on TV. If everyone says like, I could have made that show better you really don't understand what it is to just make it an entertainment industry. It's one of the hardest, most cutthroat industries in the world to just get someone to even care and pay attention about you. I, I don't, you know, that's where I, what I can and, say. No, and to your point, the network, and this has nothing to do with Bravo, just any network, like they don't give a fuck. Like you want to speak out, you want to be difficult, just move along because here's your replacement. It's really that simple. Except right. for a very, I don't even know if there's any exceptions. I mean, honestly. There are no exceptions because here's the thing. I love Bravo because they gave me a chance. I respect them because they believed in me, but in no way, shape or form did they do anything wrong. It's all what we have to realize is we are our own. We have our own mind. We create our own destiny with the higher power. You can't blame every single thing going wrong because if you do something wrong, if you speak out out of line, you need to take that ownership. It's totally. Not it's not the network's fault. No, That's my it's point. not. I, and that's I what I had agree. to learn. I had to learn that like, I have to just change my brand and I have to like be more appealing and just be a different person in order to be accepted back on TV. So after you got this show and you were like, oh my God, my dream is coming true, which I mean, listen, I'm being signed to a production company and having them be like, it's Bravo. That's a pretty big deal. That's when you guys were filming, how was that? Like, did you feel this was natural with the producers? Like, were they involved? Did you feel like they were trying to like create the drama? Like how was the actual filming process for you? The filming process was my favorite process. I love the filming process because with our specific show, it was the most organic. No, producers did not get involved as much as they do on other shows with our show. They really sat back and let, again, because there was so much history. There was so many talking story points that were so real and raw. And we were such a raw, natural cast. Each of us individually are so special, I think, because we brought, each brought such a raw, natural element to it. They didn't have to really get involved. What they would do with us is they would say, guys, we know that you have an event at 5 o'clock. It's Ashley's birthday. We need you guys there. And, you know, Chanel, I know that you want to get a lot of stuff off your chest. If you want, you can. Like they're basically the journalists behind the scenes. They want to tell our truth, our side, but how are we going to listen off camera? Look how confrontation is so awkward. People barely tell each other when they're mad at each other. People barely tell each other when they're hurt. How are you going to go on reality TV and be fake? You can't, you need someone behind the scenes telling you, Hey, this is your moment. If you're really that upset, you need to communicate so you can help others relate to you and that person. And you can help resolve the situation at hand. And then 
you can all be better humans for that. It's not just for the drama. What people fail to realize, what Bravo and other networks in production is so great at, it's they're great at bringing people together and resolving issues where other people in real life have so that others can look at us as examples and learn from them. That's all. That's what it is. And so I loved filming because it was so natural what was happening. I wasn't acting. I love acting, but this was separate. I was being, I was able to be who I was. I was able to cry when I wanted to cry. I, it was therapeutic. I was able to communicate with my castmates how they really hurt me in real life on a platform where they could really hear me out. I was able to touch other people's hearts by making them feel less alone because they felt that was my authentic self when I broke up with my boyfriend on the show and I felt very vulnerable and I expressed that. When it comes to my family, I felt like, especially during filming, that they weren't understanding who I was as a person. But it helped us communicate better after the show. So I loved filming. I thought it was something that was therapeutic for someone like me because I like the truth. I like to face the truth on a daily basis. I don't and, know if that's for everybody. And look, to your point, maybe if you and I were filming a reality show, it wouldn't have taken us all these months to reconnect and apologize on the Behind the Velvet Row podcast. There you go. We would have well, probably hashed it out and then we would have laughed and hugged and then we would have got a cocktail and I would have paid for it uh. time. This time I would have- You're never going to let me live that down, are you? I'm never. By the oh way, it was God. two drinks. It was two drinks. And I ended up getting you a drink at the Loverboy party, remember? To make up yes, for that. Yes, I did. The Loverboy launch. We went, yeah, we- the, Yes, which was a great experience. Um, hanging out with Kyle and Carl and all those wonderful people. Now here's, good. we love that. Now here's a question. Um, when you were, well, I guess not when you were filming. So then the show came out. You loved filming. The show came out. Talk to me about that. Because you're talking about like 15 minutes of fame and how they were going to make this a franchise. Like, did you go from being like, I'm now walking in New York City and I can't walk down the street? Was it that immediate or... Tell me about Georgia. It was a yeah, so my the fame for Princesses of Long Island in 2000 turned the fame for Princesses of Long Island in 2013. It was like instant. I mean, I went out of the house. There was fans at in front of my house, which that never happens. I live in a in a very private area in Great Neck. It's very hard to find that area. Um, it's like a cul-de-sac, so you can't really get through it without security. There would be fans outside. There would be cars driving back and forth. I would go to lunch with my dad. I mean, there was times where I was like, I don't even know if I'm ready for fame because I thought I was ready, but I literally would want, because I'm an introvert. Like, as, even though I'm an extrovert, I'm also an introvert. So I'd have lunch with my dad and he'd want like, I have like just a daughter, you know, private daughter, father lunch. And I'd have people coming up left and right. Not, I couldn't even eat a bite of my salad. It would, it would be that great. I mean, I don't even want to call it bad. It was that awesome that people would just like want pictures. They'd want autographs. And I finally felt like, wow, I got to my point. I got to my hype. I got my big break, you know, cause from that I knew I could have been doing acting and movies and other things would have stemmed hosting. The opportunities would have been limitless and endless. So I, um, yeah, it was instant fame. It was crazy. I couldn't really go anywhere. I think at one point, I'm not even kidding. We hired security for events because there were a lot of guys and girls that just, when we would go into clubs at the time when it was hyped, I'm talking about when it was airing, when it was super hyped, loved us or hated us. It was like, we had to order security. I remember for one, this one event because we were scared that like everybody would like, 
get in our way. It was physically, they didn't mean anything by it. But even when you see the Kim Kardashians walking out and like she was communicating because there were so many people around her, that's the feeling sometimes when you have a lot of fame thrown at you and you're not ready. Well, like the Jersey Shore kids in the, you know, now, but even in the beginning, like Snooki, if you get that whole cast, like when that cast comes to New York, I've been at events, you know, solo is big, but together the cast is you can't walk down the street. I mean, when little Snook is popping herself down the street. Come on now. And now you would say, oh my God, you were just one season. How come, you know, why did that happen for you? Again, because we had so much press for that one season and we had so much hype, whether you loved us or hated us again. That's when, you know, when when you're on breaking news or you become the victim of breaking news or the subject of breaking news, you're going to get, again, love us or hate us. You're going to get a lot of people wanting autographs. You're going to get a lot of attention. And so it's a good and a bad thing. You have to be ready for it. So when it came out and you were doing all this and you were recognized overnight and needed security for the clubs, did anyone then, because no one's real friendship changed during filming, really. It did. It it did did change during filming. Our friendships were starting to change during filming. And I'll tell you why. Because of the truth that was actually coming out between friendships. We had, there was no more... If, if me and these girls did ha- didn't have this show and we were having these issues off camera, it would be easier to save our friendship because maybe we wouldn't tell each other. Maybe we would keep it in and be like fake and to salvage the relationship. But when you're filming, there's no salvaging. There's truth, truth, truth. And sometimes people are prepared for the truth and sometimes others aren't. And then that's where it creates trouble in a friendship. Where let's, you know, let me put it this way. You and I were ready today to make up and own our shit, right? So it was was flawless when you're not ready, but the other person is, or vice versa, you're going to get, you're going to butt heads, which we were doing. We're not going to see eye to eye. Remember now you're in a reality show. Now there's a different type of competition. Now there's a competition in your friendship where you want to be better than the other one to the public eye, where a lot of the times I was hurt by the cast members because they were not putting our friendship first, where I was putting our friendship first before the show. You know what I mean? Like I, I wanted the same respect on and off the show because I was ride or die on and off the show. So I needed that from them too. But a lot of times fame gets to our heads. It just does. Right. And so it makes you not think, how am I going to treat my friend? Forget the cameras. How should I treat my friend who's right in front of me, who's always been there for me? I need to treat her right. And so it started becoming the cast members, you know, started feeling that, I think. And, and, you know. And when it came out, I imagine even worse, when there was a little bit of fame, like who's, whose head did the fame go to the most? I don't know if I would say that the fame went to a specific person the most. I would say the fame got to a lot of us, all of us, at some point. Um, I tried really hard to keep the friendship alive. I feel like why I say the fame got to some of us more than most of us is because some of us were willing to let things go that we said to each other and forgive each other and say sorry. And some of us just wouldn't let it go and wanted to blame everybody else for um, just blame everybody else for why, why the show didn't do well or why they weren't as successful. Like there wasn't a specific, I would say all of us together, you know, went through that. You know what I mean? I do. I do. So the show comes out and it's a big hit. And there you go. Maybe a franchise that's five seasons, 10 seasons. So season two, Chanel, where is it? 
You're right. So season two, we've been begging for season two. I'll tell you why we haven't had a season two yet. I think we haven't had a season two yet because we had such great, the show did so well. We had 1.2 million viewers. The show did phenomenal. But again, whether you loved us or hate us, I think the world was not ready for us yet. And I think we were, that's why we were put on hold. And so the season two didn't come up, but I beg Bravo and I'm begging, excuse me, the production company to maybe do a reunion with us, either a virtual reunion, whether it airs on Bravo or it airs on another network, just to give the fans some closure about what happened between all of us. Because again, after the season one, remember, we had a lot of stuff going on that wasn't resolved because we didn't have a reunion on Twitter, on social media. So a lot of the fans were like, whoa, 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 what's going on? I thought like Chanel got along with everyone. You know, I didn't know that, you know, this person and that person weren't getting along anymore. So there was a lot of issues we were talking about that weren't on air anymore. So I think the fans want to see that, want to hear the closure. What's going on between us as friends now? You know, where's everyone in their love life? Where's everyone in their career? You know, has, have, have we evolved? Have we grown up, you know? Well, with 1.2, like why, I mean, why do you think it didn't come back? I mean, before you even get there, like why? Why did this come back? I think because the world felt they didn't want to watch six Jewish girls that came from privileged backgrounds on TV. They didn't feel it was inspirational enough, which they didn't realize that if they gave us a chance, they would listen and they would watch and they gave us a chance to go on more seasons that we weren't just princesses. We were trying to convey the message that us too, we were going through the same things everybody else in the world were going through, even though we came from privileged backgrounds. That doesn't mean that like that helped save our lives. We were going through our own trials and tribulations and we wanted a fair chance to show how we were going to overcome those trials and tribulations, like working for our career, showing us, you know, progressing, um, falling down and picking ourselves back up again. Cause that's what a real princess is about. Like, you know what I mean? Like we didn't real, I think the, sh- the world felt it was controversial for them to participate in like Vanderpump rules did not air then. How's no. A lot of franchise of Housewives, the Kardashians didn't even get that salacious. So I think the season two, they, I think was put on hold because they didn't see the need for it at the time, but now there is a need for it because it's been seven years and people are still talking about the show. Do you understand to have one season for seven years for people to still talk about and watch the show? That's incredible. Welcome to Bravo. Welcome to Bravo. And it's all because of Bravo. Bravo helped. uh, They had a network. They had a name. So that's why our show was able to be successful because they had, they gave us a platform. Do you you get what I'm saying? Were you, yeah, I do know what you're saying. Were you guys totally, like, were you all collectively depressed together? Or was there infighting, like, this is your fault. That's your fault. I blame you for no season two. Let's all go our separate ways. Or was it like misery loves company? I think a lot of us after the show were together in it. We were very upset. We were very disappointed. We all went through our depression together. But then I think we all moved on separately because a lot of people had different opinions. Like I think people blamed everyone else for why certain things happened or that we weren't take, or like we were trying to keep the show alive. So we were trying to, like when the press would come to us, we would give them, we would tell them what was going on. But some of the cast members didn't feel the need that they wanted their lives out in the press anymore. I don't know. I just think that's, I'm still trying to figure it out, to be honest. I'm trying to figure out why 
some cast members are bitter and blaming others. I think it's because they don't want to face their truth, honestly. And I think they don't want to face the truth. I did everything in my power behind the scenes to even keep the show on to the point where I would have meetings with executives to beg to keep the show on behind the scenes. And after thought, they said no. After they said, we can't right now. We have to put it on hold for right now. And they made, a right, they made the right decision for that, for that time. You took your own meetings. Oh, yeah. Oh, the cast members knew. They had me represent for all of us. You were like the producer of Princesses. Off the record. Off off the record, yeah. I was helping um, make it better. Trying not, no, no, no. Let me take that back. I tried to help them from my producing skills, experience, to make the the show still exist. Yeah, I was trying to figure out ways. I feel the cast members on their own. I love them to death. And I'll, I'll always hold a special place for each of them in my heart, no matter what they say behind my back, no matter how they feel about me. I feel they feel that a lot of it, they're blaming certain situations on me, not realizing that none of it makes sense because they don't know how to blame themselves for anything. The reason the show didn't work is because none of them take accountability for themselves off the record or on the record. So when you're not going to take accountability for yourself, nobody wants to watch that in life. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to watch yeah. them always saying, I'm perfect. I'm amazing. Nothing's my fault. I'm going to gaslight everybody else in this situation. I'm going to turn it around on everybody else. I'm going to say that it's because I was sick or it's because no. If you're sick, I, I will be there for you. Physically, mentally, if you have, are you going through issues? But that doesn't give you a right to be Regina George. It doesn't give you a right to be mean. It doesn't give you a right to be manipulating. It doesn't give you a right to tell the public that it's other people's fault. I cannot, I, Chanel Omari, cannot be the demise for everyone's life. That's just impossible. I can't be the thing that goes wrong in every situation. It's just not possible. I could be the one taking accountability for a lot of stuff, but how could it always be my fault? There's something missing. So I'm not going to yeah. push it anymore. And so, I love this cast because they were my friends. I have respect for them. I've gone through a lot with them on and off camera. I wish them nothing but the best truly from my heart. But I do feel they think that it's not their fault why this, why there was a lot of things that went wrong. And that's okay. We all have, but we all have to take accountability. It's not just like my fault. You know, it can't be just my fault. I, I mean, is that, I mean, they don't all think it's, is that the collective thing amongst the five of them? They think it's your fault? No, I think that they're jealous that I have had certain success in other areas in this industry. And I think they don't know how to handle it. And I think that they feel, instead of talking to me about it, which I've tried to talk to them about a lot of stuff. When the show, you know, how I felt behind the scenes with them, how I felt to my face, how they were doing me wrong. But again, you know, I have nothing but love for them. And I think that they need to realize that the show was nobody's fault. The reason the show doesn't work, sometimes this is, this is the industry. I want to tell everyone. Sometimes things don't work. Sometimes you can have the perfect show, not offend anybody. Sometimes you can have the perfect podcast episode and not offend anybody. And it just doesn't work. But you can't blame people for that. You got to look inside yourself and say, what can I do better? Let me stop blaming. Let's start, you know, I just felt it was, I felt that people felt very competitive and I don't like competition and I don't do well with competition because I'm not here to compete with anybody. I'm here to help make it work for everybody. That's my personality. I was the peacemaker on the show and I was tired of being the peacemaker on and off the show because with Chanel Omari, something I want everyone to know about me and I know I'm talking in third person. I'm the nicest person. I have the best heart, but if you're going to push me to the end and you're going to make me feel like I'm the villain and I don't exist and you're going to bully me and you're going to make me feel like I'm a piece of shit all the time when I know that's not the truth. And you're not saying what everybody, I'm not even saying what everybody really should know about you. 
sorry, I'm, I'm going to stand up for myself. That's where the strong bitch in me comes out. Sorry, that's where Coco is Coco. That's why I have an alter ego. Well, and if Come you're on, you're going to let me be a pushover? You know me. I get G, David. Well, you know and those groups are going off. You know that I don't take shit. And a lot of them did not tell the truth, and they know that. I, they might say, I have my truth, but it's not the real truth. And that's what I have a problem with. When's the last time you spoke to any of them? Like, you don't speak to any of them anymore. I don't speak to any of them, no. How was like five years, 2013 and a half? I would say um, the most recent person I heard from is Erica Gimbel, who I love. Wow. I always have, let me, I'll always have a love with Erica. Everybody always asks me why. The reason is because Erica and I grew up, the, um, grew up together the most. We know each other the longest out of all the girls. Um, Erica has defended me and protected me in other situations and did right by me in other situations that were not shown on camera. I have a very close relationship with her parents who are still cheer me on. So Erica reached out to congratulate me on the show with Dina Lohan. And I thought that was very big of her. And I said, thank you so much, Erica. And you know, I'll always love you. And she's like, I always will love you. The thing what's so special about me in this cast though, and this is not a lie. They could say something different. This is my truth. I could pick up the phone tomorrow after I apologize. Or I've apologized. By the way, I've also apologized to all of them for so many things I've done, not done wrong or they thought I've done wrong and it's still not good enough. So I can't keep apologizing either. No. The time. I got to make that clear. It's I enough. Love them. I really love them, but I'm not the only reason why this show didn't work. I'm not the villain. I love them. I care for them. I've been such a good friend. I've been the best friend I could be to them at the time that I could be. I'm not perfect. I'm a flawed human being. I'm the messiest person you'll ever meet, but I try. I try my best. I'm not perfect, but I have a good heart. But I also need people to reciprocate. I can't let you guys all shit on me and then make me kiss your ass and then make me feel like I'm like the Cinderella of the story. I just, I can't do it to myself and you shouldn't have to do it. But Erica and I are strong, but that's my point. Sorry, so let me go back to my point. My point is I could pick up the phone though with all of them and we'll still leave where we left off. That's how strong our bond is. Do you understand? Like, yeah. We could like talk about it till we're blue in the space and still go to Carvel and laugh our asses off. Like that's the beauty. That's why I'm so sad about us not working on the air and off the air. We had something so special that I wanted the world to continue seeing. Do you think they all want, like you would do it? And I, I think know. they're all special girls, by the way. Individually, every single one of them have a gift to bring to this world. Every single one of them are talented. Every single one of them are beyond smart. That's why I loved every single one of them individually. And that's why I didn't want to break this bond between all of us. Because together, we were a force that nobody could screw with. And I think that's what everybody realized, the potential. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Us breaking up was the most devastating thing for me that I still struggle with and have nightmares till today. Because it was like the girl group that I never wanted to break up in real life and on reality TV. Because I love them that hard. And I wish they knew that. Do you think if you reached out to them and said, let's get this going, like, would they be interested? I think some of them would, but I think a lot of them are, and I understand them and I respect the situation in it. I think they want to move on from it because they feel they want to just move on in life. And I think that's another thing. Like my sister told me this and I didn't realize she's like, Chanel, I know you love this industry and you want to, 
be in it so hard, but some people don't and you have to respect that and you can't just take that so to heart, but it's because I only want the best for them, you know? I was just going to say that. The best for them. I thought it was, I was playing the mother. I felt But like, some people want nothing right. to do with this industry. They just don't, which right. I don't understand either because but, I'm in it like you. Right, but agree with me or disagree with me, but it, it, talk to me your opinion about, I see, I didn't believe that with them. I thought they wanted it just in their own way, which is also okay. Like, I can't tell people how to run their press, how to run their life. I could give them opinions. And, and I think what happened with the girls is they felt after the show when I was doing my own press, like I was going, I had my own press. I had Chanel in the City happening. I was on another show called My Crazy Love at the time on Oxygen in 2015. I was producing for Anderson Cooper. Like there was other reasons why I was in the press talking about things that I was trying to explain to them. This is not personal. It's not like Bravo's picking me over you as a favorite. I'm actually going out of my way, investing in my own career. And, right. so I, and I'm also, and I'm even sharing the spotlight with still with you and talking well about you. And you're still knocking me down to my face and behind my back. What else can I do to make everybody happy without sacrificing my own happiness? You know what I'm saying? So I just want everyone to know, I think that's what got to them. They felt like I was telling my story, but wasn't like letting them speak. But that wasn't about, you know how it is. If you have a publicist, your publicist is getting your own press. I think there was just misunderstanding. And I think that they had their truth and their opinion on things. And I have my truth and my opinion on things. And because I won't be a sucker anymore, and they know that Chanel always is like nice, I think that's hard for them to accept. It's hard for people to accept when someone's so nice and then they want to stand up for themselves. It's hard. It's very hard. And you were never you on much. No, I, I, I do. I mean, I, there's a lot you said that I agree with. Sorry, I mean, yeah. I think, no, no, no. I think that's true. I think that, look, I mean, I think most people, I think fame is a drug. And I, cause listen, I interview, one of the questions I ask every single housewife that's an ex-housewife is, would you go back? They all say the same thing. 100% basically are like, no, maybe. And I call bullshit on 99% of it. Then there's 2% of housewives that say, I would never go back. And I'm like, I actually believe you. You're not interested. So to that point, maybe some of them really just aren't interested. They're just like, I don't want anything to do with this industry. And I respect it. And I respect it. And I understand them. And by the way, on that note, I would 100% go back to reality TV. I would 100% go back to Princesses of Long Island specifically. And I would 100% continue with the show and actually be comfortable to be uncomfortable facing my truth with them. Because the number one thing I want to do with them, even off the air, is mend my relationships with them. Just because no matter what's happened between us, despite their truth, my truth, excuse me, falling outs, not falling outs, like me and you. If I love you, I want to be, I don't want to hurt you. You know what right. I mean? I don't want to continue the beef. I get it. And you guys were never on Watch What Happens. So on that note, I'm going to talk about that. So remember, now we're in the public eye. The public eye's perception, their DMs, their opinions also didn't help the friendships. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, imagine, imagine you're having an issue with your co-host and you don't know you don't know that people think she's, let's say, I'm just giving an example in general. Let's say you had a yeah. and you had, you had issues with her. No one knows you guys truth. Cause no one knows what's happening. So they're going to pick sides and then you're going to tell you what you're insecure about. And then they're, they're going to try to pin you against that other person. My point is the outside perception and opinion didn't help our friendship. No, it didn't help the fame. 
It never does when you're on reality TV. TV. And I do think the girls, honestly, like me, I think they evolved. I think they grew up. I think they've also learned in their own lives lessons. I think if we came together now, we would definitely all be honest with how we feel with each other. That's for sure. And maybe we'll, some of us would put more blame on others, but I can guarantee you we would get to a solution or a resolution. And I do think we can bounce back from that because I know these girls and I know that we just have those personalities to bounce back from. That's my hope. That's what I want. I was even thinking to give you, you know, I want to try to get this together virtually with them. Because I think that a lot of people- We'll talk offline. I I think that's a good idea. Really. Let me ask you this. Why did you love princesses so much? Well, first off, I am a gay man. So any show that is reality with the title princesses in it, we can start there. Second of all- I mean, I'm a nice Jewish girl from Connecticut, so it's the same thing. So, like, <laughs> no, but it's like, I, I have, love you, man. but You're it's right. true. So, but like, but I also have family. So I'm from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. So I have family in the village of Lake Success in Great Oh, so, so you get it. Right. So I, you're my people. Like I, I was my people the same way people are like, well, what are your favorite, what's your favorite housewife franchise? I love them all, but like. Luann and Dorinda and Ramona who and Sonia who are out till 4 a.m. every night drinking like that's what I relate to because that's my life like so I I get it I mean would I have watched Princesses of Chicago yeah of course I would have but I personally related to Long Island because this is in my backyard so you go I mean you're listen you're like every girl I went to high school with Chanel like Really? You're, that's you're what a lot people. of people say like yeah like you're I feel like, like I related right. to you because you're the girl that I but here's the thing it's so nice to hear that because you want to be that girl but in the inside I can tell you guys I was suffering a lot like I struggled with my own mental health issues I never saw myself as that girl that everybody wanted to be part of or friends with like I saw myself as that girl you know who I compare myself to like Katie Herring in Mean Girls okay the character that Lindsay Lohan plays like that is who I feel like I am in all situations. Like I'm the nice girl that wants to fit in, but I don't really have the best life. Like everyone thinks I do. Do do you know what I mean? Yeah. To my point, when everyone's like, oh, David, I wish I was you and your friends. I'm like, let let me tell you the 17,000 things I deal with every fucking day with all my Bravo Liberty friends. Um, you wouldn't wish it on your own, right? You wouldn't wish it on your own work. It's there, there's a lot of there's a lot, yeah. Like people, it's I all mean, do fun you want Let me ask you this, and I know I'm turning it around on you, but do you would you want to would you want to see as a host and as a, a viewer would you want to see this the show Princesses of Long Island Long Island come back? Like, do yeah. you think we have a chance to come back? Like, why do you feel that it got canceled or just didn't go moving? Like, what do you think about our show is different than Vanderpump Rules and Summer House? Well, maybe the you weren't, yeah, you weren't working. Well, we were, let me clear that also. We were working in real life. We just, it wasn't shown on the show because that was not the premise of the show to be fair to them too. They were going to start showing our working lives if we got a season two. That's why I wish the right. audience was a little patient. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it makes no sense to me with a one, like I, I never delved into the ratings, but with a 1.2, that's enough to come back. I mean, Dallas doesn't have that for the housewives. I think we got such ladies a strong of reaction. London. I know, but that. I think we got such a strong reaction, good or bad, that that's what put it on hold for that moment. 
I think if it came out now, I think Bravo would still run with it because there's just been so many things that's happened in our society that's that that it could be like that we were the least of everyone's trouble. And there was nothing at the network like these are negative Jewish stereotypes, like nothing like that that you know of. No, I think the public felt. I think the Jewish influencers in the public eye felt we were negative stereotypes for the Jewish community. However, I want to make it clear, we were in no shape or form representing the Jewish community. We were only there to represent ourselves individually and our lives as our friendships on Long Island specifically. Because these girls did not get raised in Jewish, modern Orthodox Jewish homes like me. Some of them were half Jewish, half Italian. So you can't, you know, a lot of people who were saying, you know, we felt offended, we felt hurt. Well, why aren't you offended by every other Bravo show? Why aren't you offended by every other stereotype and every subculture? Because the Jewish community gets away with very little and has a bigger stigma. And I think at the time, like I told you, if we were stronger enough, if we had a bigger voice, we wouldn't have allowed them to get away. But remember, the Jewish influences in the, in the, in the entertainment industry are the most powerful influences there are, there are. So if they don't feel they're being represented, represented as a culture the right way, they're going to speak out. Now, I don't agree with that because you cannot take food out of people's mouths unless you know all the facts. I am not here to represent the whole Jewish community because I am not the Messiah. I wish I was, but I am not. And if I were, we would all be in a lot of trouble. You know Tell what I mean? About it. <laughs> like if I were the Messiah, you don't want me to be the Messiah because I don't know my ass from my album. Being honest, I'm learning like everyone is learning. I'm learning from my mistakes. I'm learning to be a better person. I'm getting more educated. I like to learn. I like to study. I like, I like to learn to, for my mistakes, but I don't know everything. So how am I going to be there to represent at 26 years old when I don't know my ass or my elbow, the whole world? How can I represent that? And so what I is this? Of, what yeah, I was going to say. No, go on. Well, I was going to say, what about Watch What Happens? Oh, right. So Watch What Happens Live, on that note, we were supposed to make an appearance on Watch What Happens Live. Yes. But we had to be rescheduled for that appearance because at the time we had a lot of hype from the, around the show. And I don't know the real truth about this, but from my gatherings of information, um, the public had requested, like fans, that they knew we were going to appear on the show that day. Because, you know, when Andy posts that we're going to oh, yes. have I know all about where to go and what to do and watch so what you happens. Know that. So then you would know, to, if you were a fan, <laughs> let's say you were a fan and you didn't like us, right? You would know yeah. how to call and say, we don't want to watch those girls on that show that night. Really? So from what I know, from what I heard, this is not 100% facts, is that a lot of the public, the fans from the public, who were the haters, now we all have haters. By the way, if you don't have a hater, that means you're not doing anything right. You want the haters, but you want them yeah. to but you want them in the healthy way. You want them in the way where they're not going to stop or cancel your career. Like, I don't believe in cancel culture. Like, we were canceled. We were part of the cancel culture first. They canceled us in a way because the public wasn't so, the haters weren't so thrilled to watch us on Watch What Happens Live. Now, we were a first season. If this was So that's for- why it's because haters were like, Andy, don't have those bitches on. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm inserting that word, but I'm, right. that's what I, you're saying. I think people were telling, there were certain people telling me that that's the only thing that can make sense. Now, Bravo never huh. confirmed that. Bravo never confirmed that. Executives never confirmed that. They just said, we have to reschedule your appearance, which 
that happens a lot, you know? Yeah. But there was never a reschedule. There was never rescheduled because then the show had ended. Now, usually, let me be fair. I want to make another note. Andy Cohen never has first-timer, first-season cast members on Watch What Happens Live. Go back to the history. He doesn't, he rarely puts them on unless you're second, third season, really third season. He didn't even start putting the Vanderpump Rule kids until second, third season on the air for Watch What Happens Live. So to be fair, we weren't even really supposed to go on. But I told you, we made such a splash, good or bad, the reaction was so strong. There were people that wanted us to be on Watch What Happens Live. That's why he wanted to book us because they were like, Andy, you got to have these girls on. Andy, you got to have the princess. Did you ever meet him? Yes, I met him. About this process? So I met him first time before this process when I interviewed on the red carpet during Fashion Week. I met him at the Diane von Burstenberg show and I had interviewed him then. And then I had ran into him in social circles and he was always so nice to me. Then full circle came through and I did princesses and I met him on um, during an interview that Darren Karp created on the, on the internet at the time. And the internet started first being popular, like on the blogs, on the Bravo yeah. website. And she asked questions from the fans that the fans wanted to know. So that's how I met him because I was one of the guests when my show was airing on that show with Darren and Andy. And they were amazing to me. They were so nice to me. They were so respectful. They were so supportive. Honestly, he was so supportive of the show. Like at the time, he was he was a supporter. He was you know he wasn't an executive producer on the show. I want to be clear, and he wasn't involved in the production of the show. They really should show it during all these marathons that they've decided to do. I mean, we're kind of oh they did not quarant. No, I mean they should. We're not like quarantined anymore. Well, that's but, what you know, two they girls was saying. They said that you should mar. What these are the yeah. shows you should, should show through the marathon on Bravo. So I would hope. I hope you know. I hope the show comes back in some form because I know you, all the fans want it back. Did you meet any Bravo liberties like during the height of that show where you were just like, oh my God, I'm meeting Bethany or whoever it was at that time? Yes. At the time it was Housewives of Orange County. I met Gretchen Rossi, who was so nice. That's with a good her one. husband Slate. And she gave us actual advice in Andy Cohen's office. Um, without what did she say? Too much information. She just said, make sure to have fun and not take things too seriously. I'll never forget these words. Make sure to have fun and not take things too seriously and not allow anything of the public perception to get in between your friendships. Gretchen Rossi, man. She was, ama- she was the guru. She was my Bravo guru at the time. Wow. And I didn't expect it because I was a little intimidated because of the show, you know, and she's so cool and pretty, but super nice and told us that advice. And we also... um Candy Burris, big supporter, promoted us on her social when nobody cared about us. I remember running into her, her into one of the rap parties when we were, you know, Bravo was taking us out to some of the parties and she had given me good advice. And she said to me, always be your authentic self, never be different, no matter what the situation is, always be who you really are. That's what Candy told you. That's what Candy told me, which is the best advice. Candy, who knew she was a Princesses of Long Island fan? Well, Candy's the original queen. So she oh, God, knew. we love so Candy. So she knew, like, you know, she was like, all right, you know. And, and one thing I love about Candy is, because Candy also um, spent time with, with Dina Lohan in the Celebrity Big Brother, Brother House. And we just talked about that on our recent podcast with Dina Lohan. Check it out. 
uh, listen to me, the OG with Mama D. The third episode comes out this week with Kato Kalin, who also shared a house with them. And Dina also says, Candy's amazing. Oh, he's amazing. <laughs> Candy's amazing. Why? Because Candy is not threatened by anyone. She knows her, who she is. She knows her success. And she's willing to share the spotlight with, she really is a true example of women empowerment. A lot of people are bullshit when they say, I empower other women. I think it's for stage. It's for fake. Candy Burris is the real deal. She empowers other women, no matter what. Whether you start about out, it. I will always be grateful for her. She was the only one who supported us out of all the franchises when the show came out. Loud and proud. She gave me advice. Gretchen Rossi. I will always be grateful. Great slate. Um, who else was there? Kyle Richards was amazing, amazing to me during the, I mean, like to the point where I was like shocked because she didn't have You're to. like, please adopt me, Kyle. Yeah, please adopt me. I'll be your fifth child. I don't care. Like totally gave me words of wisdom and was like super nice and kind. And I think that goes a long way because that's what makes you remember. Yeah. yeah these are the real OGs because the reason, the reason for it is because they're the, they don't, pretend to be people they're not, they're themselves. And that's who I am. Whether you love me or not, I'll never tell you a lie. I'll always tell you the truth, even if I have to own my ugly part in it. And I think those are the people that really are the ones you want to watch on your screen because that's the only way you're going to learn. You're not going to learn from everyone who's always saying, my life is perfect, I'm not a villain, no. I'm always great. You're just not going to learn from those kind of people. No, I mean, I'm the Don't same way. Don't learn bad behavior. True. Now, listen, you're going to come on again Yes, because I we, I could, I could talk so to you for six more sorry. hours, but before we semi wrap up, we, we are going to wrap up people. Let's just take a segue for a minute to Dina Lohan in this. So you have Chanel in the city, which is yes. your original podcast. So can I talk quickly about that a little bit? So yes. originally how Chanel in the city developed was because princesses of Long Island had been put on a hold. I had to, I was in the entertainment industry. I wanted to create more. So for my producing background I knew I was in radio I was on 106.1 BLI shout out to them I love them I was on top 40 radio they're like a Z100 for Long Island but they're also on iHeartRadio so I was a live DJ for four and a half years I had the overnight shift I busted my ass overnight I would go from David from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. every night from another job in the city from another job in the city okay then overnights all the way in Babylon Long Island that's how much I hustle no one knows this then I worked my way up four and a half years because in radio, it's very tough to, as a woman to be a top 40 radio DJ and to get the actual afternoon spot. That's the spot you want. I then transitioned to the night, seven to midnight, which was a better slot. Nights with Chanel. I talked about pop culture, celebrity, exclusive interviews, all that jazz music. Then I left because it was time for me to move on and start a podcast because I figured I need to start, have a platform where I could talk about my past, my present, and have my guests talk about their past and present and how they've overcome. And not said, be edited or controlled. And not be edited or controlled. And also I said, what, what got me through all my obstacles is my favorite places in the city. The coolest spots to go to, the hottest restaurants, you know, the coolest museums, you know, the coolest things to check out that no one knows in the city. I was like the, I was like the study guru for people, the research guru. And I said, this is a perfect platform. Let's talk about the hot places. Let's talk about celebrities, you know, overcoming their obstacles and how they got there and just keep it general and keep it cool about pop culture and it all. And that's how Chanel in the city was born. And it's comedy. It touches based on mental health issues. Cause I come from, you know, I'm not scared to talk about my mental health issues. It's not taboo. I think it's important for us to talk about it. Totally. Um, 
and it's just a place, a safe place for people to come have fun, get some good got got like I wouldn't call it gossip. I would call it get some good news from celebrities, but also listen to how they made it because it's not an easy industry. No one just like had things handed to them. Not neither have I. So that perception, I want everyone because you know, David, it's hard to make podcasts. It's work. Yeah, it's it consistent is. work. I mean, you and I have been up 24 hours this whole week just getting an an episode right. Like, it's not that easy. I know everyone's like, podcast is so easy to make. So it's free. No. no, it's not. There's expenses. There's hours of work. There's talking people off a ledge when they want you to edit your shit out. Correct. Like me, who I asked David already. But no. But also then I had, and then I was privileged to have, so I had Luandela Steps on the podcast, Dorinda Medley. I've had Kevin Bacon at Paris Hilton, certain people. So when I did the collaboration with Housewives of New York with, with Luann, because she wanted to try her comedy out for Mary Fuck Kill, her show, we said, let's do a show. We both have been bullied. We both are passionate about anti-bullying campaigns. We both want to make a change, even, you know, because a lot of this wasn't said on Bravo, because they have to also keep it short. By the way, you can check out the live podcast, because David's part of it. You can even hear David's whole part. Um, I was just going to say, uh, they edited me the out. Go to live podcast, because you could hear all of David's Really? Yeah, oh, I got to go the live podcast this. right now on YouTube or on my podcast, Chanel in the City, on iHeartRadio or all podcast podcast platforms. Type in Chanel in the City. When you go to the Apple Podcast, just type in Countess Luann, Chanel in the City, Countess Luann and Friends live podcast. You'll hear the whole podcast, even your parts, David. You'll see it. I mean, they didn't edit me out of the show, but they edited out my anti-bullying stories. Well, they, so, right. Of course. I mean, yeah, I wasn't shocked. Well, they edited oh my, my um, anti-bullying stories. And I also had a comedy bit. Because the reason yeah. we did comedy was because we wanted to try to laugh it off a little because it's so painful. So Can I just tell comedy. you? Yeah. I got so many DMs saying, which I didn't think so. Do you know how many people were confused by that episode? So many. Oh, I know. That's why I would like to People DM me and they're like, I don't understand. Like, was this a benefit for a charity? What does comedy have to do with anti? It's not, it's not on you. It's no, on Roni. It's on the, and I'm not knocking Bravo or the producers. I'm just right. saying, I got so many DMs for people. No, and so did I. And I think and that's I what wasn't, set me off. I think that's yeah. what I got so upset about because I was like, oh, everybody's taking credit and then no, everyone's confused. Here's the thing. People do it all the time. New York Comedy Club just did a uh, uh, stand, stand up against racism or stand up against bullying with comedy. That was the premise of the show. I mean, it's not that, Yes, it's a little weird, but it's like comedians standing up, doing things for charity. We're raising money by our skill set, by making people laugh. So that was one part of it. Second part of it is now what podcasters are doing, that's why it was a little bit confusing. It's new to, like Ramona said, I don't really know about this world, but I know that it's a popular world, the podcast world, and this whole live podcasting is, David, you know, you do a live podcast event, whether you're a comedian or a podcast host, excuse me. You invite your listeners to that event and you want to make them laugh, whether it's your guests making them laugh with the interviews or it's actual stand-up comedy. So I say this all the time. It's not yeah. really a podcast. Like Kristen Doty, Stassi, right. those like the Stassi's podcast tour is not an actual podcast that you hear. It's just her podcast tour. Right. With and comedy like, and stories and it's, you involved. know, Taylor Strecker. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, with, with, with guests telling their stories. So yeah. Because Luann was such a, uh, regular guest on my podcast she that's the reason why I collaborated with her in the event and she wanted to use her comedy and share certain stories that no one heard before so I felt this was the best platform the Chanel City Live podcast but let me have my comedian peers and friends that actually do comedy stand-up comedy and I do act, I actually do stand-up comedy too by the way a lot of people don't know that again they just think I'm a princess waiting for Prince Charming to save me a lot of people don't know that 
I need to come see you too. Can't stand. Got to do it. It's a, but that's my point. We raised money for charity. We raised good money and awareness, and also for women who were incarcerated because women who are incarcerated are bullied in, this, in society in general. So we were trying to marry the two. Now you don't have enough time in a, in a Bravo episode to explain. No, that. no. So that's to why. To be I honest made, with you, I'm shocked yeah. they showed as much as they did. I'm shocked. Me yeah. too. I did not even think I was going to be seen. To be honest, I did not. In your other podcast, talk to me. I know you know Dina Lohan from growing up. Right. So this is how this came about. So Dina Lohan and I, when I was 17 years old, I grew up with Lindsay, and I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. So they knew that I was funny from a very young age. Like Lindsay and Dina both said, I have a knack for comedy and host in, and being in this industry, like as a talent. And they, they, they really brought me under their wing. So Dina hired me as Lindsay's assistant when I was 17 years old. And I worked for Lindsay and I traveled the world with her and I really was her right-hand woman as her assistant. And I grew my position from there internally with the family. I became close with the family, became very close with Dina, and then became Dina's executive assistant. So, you know, in life, in, in, in the industry, you have to earn your dues. So yeah. That's how I, when everybody asked me, how did you even come in this industry before I was a producer, before I was an intern or PA, I was an assistant for actual big celebrities, getting every administrative thing right, because I wouldn't be able to do anything else if I didn't do that first. So I learned from the best. I learned, I watched Lindsay acting. I learned behind the scenes stuff. I learned what it took to be a star, to make a star. Dina taught me too when she brought me under her wing how to be coming from a manager and a producing point of view, how to come from a talent point of view. What are the so she taught me, she gave me a break. Then we became very close. I went off to do my own stuff. I went to be a producer for many different talk show hosts and different reality stars and different celebrities. I've worked with a lot of people like Hugh Jackman and Paris Hilton and Kevin Bacon. And I started interviewing people my own because I said to myself, what do I really want to do with my life? I know I want to be a producer, but I also want to be a talent. I want to be like a Lena Dunham. That's like the perfect, I want to be like Issa Rae or Lena Dunham. That's like the perfect job for me is being the, the, my own executive producer on my own thing that I've produced and my own talent. So with that That's being that. said, I worked in the podcast world, had Dina on my podcast. We've always remained friends. We've always worked in different capacities together. We built a trust and we were so close. And I go to Dina, by the way, off the record, on the record for advice, whether it's on relationships, career. I She's go to a good one to go to. She is amazing. Dude, she knows everything. She's smart. She knows how to like guide you the right way. She also was like, she was like my second mom. We joke like I'm her fifth child and she's like my second mom because that's the relationship dynamic. She came on my podcast on Chanel in the City. You got to check this interview out too, because she also opened up on that interview, which she doesn't open up on most because she talked at least about the positive aspects of her life. See, a lot of people in the industry want to know the negative things about celebrities. Whereas on my podcast, you get to know the positive side. So she appreciated that. We spoke about now she's engaged. So we spoke about her then boyfriend, Jesse Nadler, who they thought was a catfish at the time, but is not. They're engaged now. They have a really amazing relationship for six years. And then she said, I said to her, why don't we do, she wanted to get back into the podcast game because she felt like she does have a voice and she's been through all these things in life. And we both have been through similar things. Like let's set the record straight about each other. Let's have guests come on to set the record straight about them. Let's talk about young kids in Hollywood making it too early and how do they cope with it with their parents later on. There was so much information to touch that we're like, we need a podcast. Got together. We're now producing it together. We're both co-EPs on it. We're both, she's the host, I'm the co-host. 
It's on iTunes and Spotify right now. It's called Listen to Me, the OG Mama D. Why is it called that? Because literally growing up, when I would go to Lindsay's house, her friends or me or whether I was working for them, we would literally be like, what would Mama D do? Like, what would Dina Lohan do? She has the best advice. And uh, that's, that's how it came about. And now we are three episodes in. We had comments by celebs on our episode. We had Camp, Camp Getaway and um, the cast of Camp Getaway. And now we're having Kato Kalin coming up. So I want you guys to check that out. That's a good one. And you know what we talk about a lot? Which is we need really- Kato Caitlin here. You, you and I are yeah. going to have to trade guests after this. We should. We should. We're going to have I can get you. Yeah. Me and David are going to start being a team now, guys. We we, are just, listen, we are I love we are Chanel. Not, yeah, I love you. I want, for the record, I do. I've always you. loved you. I've we had a moment you. of not a loving moment. each other. Yeah. But in but life. You know what? I'm happy you said the truth in the beginning of your podcast. You're a real one. You said, in life, that happens. People, like, real friends, real friends get into fights and they yeah. talk it out and they move on. No one's dead. No one has cancer over this. Like, just, there's way bigger problems we all have to face each day. Um, Okay, so you need to come back on. We'll wrap it up. But you need to come back on and talk more about... Oh, did you want to talk about Camp Getaway or something about Camp Getaway? You want to save it? Save that, but I do want to talk about Dina and her wedding. Yes. Right? Like Dina's engaged now. You're going, I assume you're going to be invited to the wedding. You're a family friend. Yes. So I'm definitely going to be invited to the wedding. We're still figuring out if I'm going to be one of the bridesmaids. Oh my God. But you'll hear that out on the show or I'll come back on your show to confirm that. Um, but I am invited definitely. And the wedding hopefully will be soon. I, the, what, one thing I could tell you is that they are planning on doing it in the Hamptons where her fiance um, originally wants to get married in. That's a good place. Um, you can listen on my on our podcast on the details how we proposed because I don't know how that happened yet. I'm waiting for that. Um, but I do know it was virtually. I do know he sent the ring in the mail, which was very sweet. Oh my god! And he picked the be- it was a beautiful ring. I mean, it's gorgeous. They've been together for six, almost seven years virtually. That to me is such what? a great relationship. Yeah, they've been together almost seven years. Have they met in person? They have not met yet once. Oh, I mean, maybe I should know this, but oh my God. So when they meet physically, that will be the first time they're meeting. So their relationship, how beautiful is it? It was always based on real friendship and real actual, like, friendship. Yeah, it was based on real friendship. I said at the beginning of quarantine. I'm so that- happy for her. She is so happy. You have no idea. She is beyond the most happiest she's ever been in her life. Where does this guy live? He lives in the Hamptons or he, he lives? lives in, he's from California or he oh, lives wow. in California. That's what I know. And I know that they're really close. They talk every day, five times a day. He, I know that he proposed to her in a very romantic way. And well, cause we're, we're here during COVID, you know, quarantine, we're only in phase yeah. two. So nobody can see each other. I know that he's also caring for his mother who's very ill, unfortunately. So he's like an amazing son. I was going to say, that's a nice, that's a good representation. And he's real, by the way. He's real. There's pictures of him. He's been in the press. Like, he's do a people good guy. think he's not real? Do people tell Dina like this well, is a catfish? In the Celebrity Big Brother house, they were worried because she had not met no. him. They wanted to make sure he's not a catfish. But Nev Shel- but Nev Shulman confirmed that he's not a catfish from Catfish himself. That, uh, that's as good as it gets. That's as good as it gets. By so the way, engagement. By the way, is real and is great and. The details, I will let you know how he proposed, 
Um, she will be talking about it on the podcast in the next episode coming out. Um, when the wedding details will be, like where it will be, how it will be. I mean, she's, it's going to be small. It's not going to be a big wedding. It's going to be a very intimate wedding. And, you know, with her closest friends. And she's, you know, she's, maybe you'll be my plus one if I get to have a plus one. I'm so there. You know I'm bringing my gay husband. I ain't bringing, um, no, straight, I ain't um, bringing no straight guy. No. With all due respect to the straight guy community to a no. wedding like this, honey. Listen, Chanel, A, I'll be your plus one. B, maybe you will have a boyfriend by then, but if not. Maybe. We got to get them jealous. You know you're good looking. So you're going to have to make them think that you're my straight guy. <laughs> I'll come with you. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure I can pose as straight. The, sure. best wing, the best wingmen are bringing your gay men. Guys. It's true. Because I'll get you laid if that's what you and want. And you'll get laid too. I will, we'll right? I'll not? I'll find one of the waiters and I'll oh, find you waiters. a real. You'll find like a hot ass, you know, rich. man who's rich and cool and kind. It's not about money. It's just about. It's not. It's you not. You need the money. I wish it was about money. That would be so much Actually, easier. It's be not. so much easier if it was It's about not money. about money. Yeah. It's about a good person. It's about a good person who you can attractive, trust. Who you and can who trust. attractive in general, yeah. Yeah, like really, I need to trust you and you need to not be dumb and just be attractive. <laughs> just keep something up. Just keep it up a little bit, not even a lot. Just be like somewhat together. Honestly, That's not asking a lot. one thing I always go to Dina for advice with relationships because I think she's handled this relationship so well is that like my ex-boyfriends always told me I was very clingy. I never really, even though, you know, I have such a life, like our lives are so busy, but I always made time for them that they always felt like I never, ha like my life always revolved around them. So one advice, piece of advice I got from Dina and I could give to people is that like, in order to keep a man, you, like you said, you really, they don't want drama. They don't want you to divulge everything to them all the time or how you feel about them all the time. Like sometimes there's things that you have to keep sacred to yourself and work it out on your own, you know, to keep well, that person that. around, you know. Oh, I do now. All right, we're going to talk offline. You're coming back because just so you know, one of my favorite reality shows in the world besides Princesses is Big Brother. So you can come back just to talk. You don't have to bring Dina. I mean, you could bring Dina, but you don't have to. I'm going to try to bring Dina. I, I know, she's talk. not. I would love for her to talk. I would love for her I to just talk. love celebrity. I just love Big Brother. Like, I don't even care about the camera. I want to go on Big Brother, not to be on TV, just can to actually. Can we go both together? Why don't we just go together? We, need we should to... be in yes. Celebrity Big Brother too now. It's, that is the best game that's you ever existed. I would die. People would die of laughter. I'm sorry. We would be good. I would we, not we... survive, probably. I would definitely be called out right away. Because she talked, by the way, you can hear this on the podcast with Kato Kalin in the beginning too. Dina goes into full detail about how to play the rules in the game to survive on Big Brother. It's oh my god, she okay? Because like if you could you ever gotta get be her, smart. you can't be weak. Like I would get thrown the hell out because I'd be too innocent and naive, and I'd like tell so everybody would vote me off. It's such a good show, but everyone, first of all, you need to binge Princesses from the past. You need to listen to Chanel and the City. And you need to listen to Mama D. What is it? What's the exact yeah, name Mama again? D. Listen to me. Listen to me. The OG Mama D with Dina Lohan and Chanel Omari. Those are, listen, you know. And, and, and you got to listen to this podcast behind the velvet rope with David Yontov because let me tell you something. No one's ever gotten this information out of me for princesses, but you, no one knows all this stuff. We have an exclusive. And listen, if people are, don't Because I us, never talked. That's the problem. Yeah, you did it. It's just time. If everyone's going to talk about you, girl, you might as well just tell your truth. That's that's what we do here. Like, I want everyone just to come. You tell your truth yeah. and the listeners. And listen, I love Bravo. I want to make that clear. I love Bravo. I love the production company. I love my castmates. I know as a person, I've evolved enough to appreciate the good with the bad. Like, 
I know I had a lot of work to do myself and I had to change in order to be like, I blame myself for things going wrong because the truth is that's how you grow. I blame Where can myself we- for things going wrong sometimes, but hopefully you guys can join me on my journey. You can follow me. Yes. At Chanel Omari, at Chanel in the, for at Chanel in the city, because at Chanel in the city was taken. So at Chanel in the, ChanelOmari.com and Chanel in the city on all podcast platforms. Just type in that Chanel in the city and listen to me, the OG Mama D. We love, you're an official friend of the show, Chanel. You're an official friend of mine. Thank you. We're doing drinks as soon as this quarantine is over. And they're on me for the record. This time around, those drinks are on motherfucking me. She's never going to let me forgive this. Just well, that's I made good for you. Comment. That's good for you. Now you don't have to spend more money. What do you need to spend? <laughs> the drinks could be on me. I made one comment. We are BFFs now. Text me. Give me like an hour and then we'll talk. Okay, I love there. you very much. I love you, you. Very much for doing this. I love you so much. I think you're a real one. And I really appreciate I you. I am real. I really appreciate you. I really want you in the audience to know. I really am so happy for your success. I want you to succeed more. I'm here to help. You, you don't even need my help, but I'm here to share the support and cheer you on. I really am. I'm really I appreciate it. And same with you. Like you are, listen, you're a nice woman. Thank like you. you are. And I mean that, I don't mean that, like you're, you're nice. Like you don't have a mean bone in your body. Even you when I tried, even when I tried to be the bitch, I couldn't even be a real <laughs> one. Remember that? Like you kind of, you really won. Like Remy was like, he won. You don't even know how to be like that bad. Like I try. And that's why I think it comes off your right. I think people get more mad at that because they're like, that's not even who you are. So why are you trying to be somebody you're not? Like, you know what I mean? Totally. Everyone, we have been joined by the one and only Chanel Omari from Princesses of Long Island. Follow her, listen to her. I love you. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon. Because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.